So Purioro Kahu was named after Kahu Pekarere, one of our tupuna, who was travelling in the district and became very sick. So the tohung of the time took her up onto our, um, our puna uh, for the whakarite on the, in this, on, on, on the mountain. So they took her up to the, to the spring, set the karakia, blessed her with the water, and she became well. So after that event, they called the, the mountain Puriora or Kahu. the place where Kahu Pekarere was healed. And so that name has stuck with the region. So Puriora is what the Department of Conservation calls the Puriora Forest. Ko Puriora o Kahu te maunga, ko Tainui te waka, Ko waimiha o kahu te awa, ko reriahu te iwi. Puriora o kahu is the mountain, Tainui is the waka. Waimiha o kahu is the river, reriahu is the tribe. E te iwi, no mai haramai. As part of our three-part series that looks into innovation practiced at a whānau or iwi level, I'm in Tikuiti, and I visit Pāharakeke Puriora Forest Park, run by Marairoa Sea Incorporation. Well, the Marairoa A&B blocks was a, another large land block, which was most of it was part of the, the now Puriora Forest Park. We managed to achieve a settlement where we had 2,000 hectares returned to the Marairo A and B Trust. So originally all of our land out there was called Marairo. The Crown cut it up into Marairo A, Marairo B and Marairo C, so that they partitioned oh, it. Right, yes. And then they left the whānau with Marairo C and then they took Marairo A and B and, and did what they wanted to do, made it private land. So... Um, we managed to get a discreet settlement with the Crown. Mm, um, 2,000 hectares. Yeah, so 2,000 hectares is a lot of land, and we're busy developing that. So so I'm on the incorporation management committee developing that land at the moment as well. Wow. Te Maru Iwi Trust, we're, um, we've been negotiating with the Crown and with our um, cross-claimants in the region to try and have our, our Ngāti Reriahu comprehensive settlement negotiated. So Marara Sea was incorporated in um, December 1973. Uncle Koro Wetere was our first chairman, and so he and his first board, they, um, they inherited 5,500 uh, barren land, you might as well say. The, the trees were all, the, all the um, native trees had been harvested and milled, and when they were all gone, the, the Crown handed the land back for Marara Sea back to the owners with no money, and just land that had to be developed. They still had, uh, it was like a fallen forest. They, they just left the cut over. So they managed to negotiate a lease, a variable stumpage lease with, at the time, New Zealand Forest Products. And and if it wasn't for the lease, you know, they would have struggled to pay the rates. What they did in that, in that time was a good decision, that they were able to save the land from being taken from rates, rears and things like that. And today we're using the that first lot of uh, stumpage to try and grow two businesses. One is the um, tourism and the other one is our ginseng business. 
Marairoa Sea has 1,200 shareholders. Glenn Katsu is the CEO. He has a background in banking and was with Westpac for 27 years. He's a small town boy and was born in Pātia, Taranaki. He made the shift from Hawira to Tikawetsi some years ago. I guess I always wanted to work for our people at some stage in my career and after 27 years with Westpac, I'd learnt a lot and I just wanted to, an opportunity to utilise that. That sort of knowledge that I've gained over the years to help our, our whānau and Marato Sea Corporation, we're at a stage of growing its business that I was excited about and like to be a part of that. So I came home to a land meeting and my mum and all her sisters were shareholders in this corporation, put my hand up to um, to be a trustee and, and I was lucky enough to come on board as a trustee and then uh, as we developed we thought the business um, could could utilise a manager's experience so so I put my hand up for that too and I was lucky enough to get the job so I left the bank. I'm lucky enough to work for Ngāti who I guess in, in terms of a number of roles, but my role with Marara Sea Incorporation is to manage our, our total business, and that currently includes over overseeing our forestry lease with Hancock uh, Forest Management, resource forest management. So Hancock's purchased a lease that was um, with uh, Carterhold Harvey, and before Carterhold Harvey was New Zealand Forest. So we now look, work with um, Hancock's, and we've got something like 60 years left in the lease. So it's a 99-year lease, 99 say, year lease. on 5,500 hectares. 5,500 hectares. So it's, it's a reasonably sized forest. Uh, so what we have is a variable stumpage lease, and that means that every 30 years uh, when the forestry company comes to harvest the trees and sell them, we get a share of the stumpage price of those, tr- of those logs at the time they're harvested. So that means we only get one shot at income every 30 years. We've had our first harvest between 2002 and 2008. Our, our forest was harvested and we got a share of the stumpage. After we finished harvesting, the board then had to decide, do we use the money that we've accumulated from the forest um, proceeds and just put it in the bank, pay our, our shareholders a dividend every yep. year, or do we um, want to do something invested in some business that could provide employment? The board spent a little bit of time talking about these possibilities, and they decided that they preferred to be um, a little bit more innovative, and in which means a little bit of risk. And they preferred to try and use the money to grow some new business. And they said they want those businesses to be at home. So at home meant at Puriora, uh, because Mairangi Toto Kituhu, Koina Te, te Rohe Ngati Rereahu, is the Rereahu Rohe. So um, they preferred, if we're going to start businesses up, it had to be at home, too, because they wanted to bring some of the family home. So, what is innovative about Marairoa Sea? Well, to get an insight into what they've done since 2007, I'm here at Paharakeke. It's off the beaten track slightly, signposted along the way. After a short drive from Marairoa Road, there is a large building. It looks like three times the size of a normal garage. This is the eco-cultural centre, Paharakeke. Since 2007, we've sort of as I mentioned, taking it in stages. So we, we set up with all the plantings first, uh, the nursery and uh, the visitor centre there. 
and um, and from there we've sort of expanded. Um, so now we obviously offer the, the accommodation, um, the shuttle transport, the bike hire and everything else in between. The park setting is ideal for visitors who want to experience the Pudiora Forest Park. There is a replica par village, timber trail bike rides, on-site accommodations and pa harakeke or flax plants cover a big part of the site. But perhaps their most innovative move to date is growing and harvesting ginseng. I am from Piopio, a small village not too far from here. And um, I was born and raised there. And I've been with Mararo Sea for the past, uh, I think about eight years now, well, since 2007. Um, and so, yeah, I'm now ginseng manager for Mararo Sea. This site here was taken out of the main forestry lease and um, and was was to be built as a, a paharakeke first and foremost, so a plantation, and um, and a processing facility which would one day house a, a visitor centre as well. And my background being in horticulture, I came on to, to help with that um, that side of the project. So obviously we're standing here outside the eco-cultural centre and there's just a vast array of paharakeke. You know, harakeke is, is obviously a very important plant um, to Māori and it has a long history and um, there's potential that we'll use it um, in the future for products that we, we look to sell here. Um, but at this stage, like I say, it provides that beautiful backdrop for mm. us and, and the stories. Can we um, go for a little bit of a hikui? We start with, the, I guess, the plantation here. But as we, as we develop the project, um, we thought the, the next step would be to, to have a native plant nursery. So obviously provide a, a bit of a bit of supplementary income as, at the same time as, um, as providing us plants for, for restorative projects on the, the site here. Yeah, so it's taken a little bit of a back seat at the moment just since we're so busy with ginseng and with tourism now. It's still a facility that we, um, we do use. So. so what kind of plants are we looking at? Um, we grow a range of native plants, mostly, um, mostly sort of first generation plants, ones that are good to be planted out where sites have been disturbed. Um, to help help bring in, bring back the bird life and, and then shelter the, the bigger trees as they come through. So over in the distance we can see a little whare. Um We built this one down the back here just as a, a you could say a prototype, I guess, um, to get a feel for how, how to build a, a um, traditional style whare. Um, and from that point we built a, a replica path on our hill at the back here. So as a an attraction for when we have um, groups come through. So for school groups or our international visitors, we're able to take them up to the par and sort of give them a glimpse as to what pre-1800 style um, villages were like. Yep. And, yeah, it just provides a, a story for us. Do you have guide guided tours? Yeah, like yeah. So we started out with the, um, the idea that um, we would be able to bring in visitors to, to Puriora and give them an experience here. Um, and this was before the advent of the, the timber trail. Um, so we developed a, a number of small um, guided tours, one being an eco-cultural tour, so you get to experience uh, harakeke weaving, uh, a bit of kai tasting, and we also incorporate uh, a tree planting element to it, as well as touring the site here as well. So these are the bikes that are... <laughs> Um, tourists can rent to go on the bike trails. Yeah, so this is John here, one of our staff. Hi, he's, John. <laughs> he's busy uh, washing these these bikes here, getting them ready for the next round of visitors. So, 
as I mentioned, the timber trail came along, um, I think three years ago it was open, roughly. 85 from, from here in Puriora to, um, to Ongarui is where the trail ends, just north of Tamaranui. Um, and you can choose to do um, parts of it. Um, so yeah, you don't have to ride the whole trail. trail. Most people break it into two days. So they ride from here to Pedalpedal as a campsite there. Um, or you can have accommodation here. Um, we provide all the shuttles and bike hire and yeah. And is that because this area is is perfect and, I- and ideal for bike for cyclists? Construction on the Timber Trail definitely. It's right. a beautiful forest, so people get to experience not only an awesome trail but some pretty awesome scenery and of course oh. all the stories along the way. It pretty much extends right right over Mount Puriota and and down the other side to Ongarui, so um, the trail's right in amongst it. I think this year's our, been our, our biggest year, um, so yeah, it just keeps keeps growing, so cycling's um, quite a big, or quite a popular pastime these days, so, um, and, and yeah, the Chim- Timber Trail, as far as all of our trails go, is definitely one of the, the top top rides to do, so yeah, we're seeing a big um, big boom now, which is Getting great. Any visitors from overseas? Yeah, it's just starting to pick up really now, um, as the trail's been exposed through um, through media and and um, yeah, our international market's definitely growing here. CEO of Marae Corporation, Glenn Katu. Did you have to convince the shareholders that this is a good way to go in terms of getting into tourism? Like, definitely. Yeah. Um, when they decided they would like to take on the initiative of, of maybe having a, a business or two to invest the money and to get these businesses going to provide employment for people, we put the, the, the strategy out to, to the shareholders at our annual meeting with a business plan too. We actually gave them the business plan, how we're going to run it. And what we'll be doing there, we'll be showing off um, our, our Rediahu stories, our Rediahu um, uh, history, um, in, in, in Whakairo as well as in Storybooks. So yes, we got buy-in from the, right from the first stage and then the business plan. When we said how much money we needed to build it, we had that approved by the shareholders. And if we, had, you know, we had, and our board did the right thing. If the family said no, we don't like it, well, then we wouldn't have done it. It was, it was pretty. Um, how shall I say, uh, meagre beginnings. Meagre beginnings. <laughs> humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. You know, we had few acres of harakeke sort of planted and we had a building up and then we had to build the nursery. So our idea was... Is it 2007? When was this? This is in 2009. And so we advertised and did guided tours and yeah, it was tough. We then heard that uh, Ruapehu and Waitomo had put in for for funding to build the Timber Trail Mountain on Puriora o Kahu Maunga, which is our maunga right next door to our <laughs> And so we were lucky that, oh, so we couldn't wait until it opened, and it opened um, in 2013. So we were, and all of a sudden, they needed place to stay, so we had some, we had built some chalets by then, we'd, we got we got ready, we'd bought some shuttles, we bought some, built some chalets, yes. we put in our gift shop, we got hire bikes, we bought some yep. bikes for yep. hire, and yeah, it, it happened, and, and every year, so 2013 was the first year, but without much fanfare or, or advertising by Doc, we got a lot of riders in that first year. We're lucky that um, we did, you know, get off so early and um, and invest in our own whenua. 
because we're now providing jobs. Like our, one of our local ladies who was 2IC is now the manager, Edwina, at, uh, she lives in Benidale. Um, her assistant, 2IC, is Kuri, her mother. She lives at Puriora. I mean, there's not many families at Puriora, but we're lucky some have got... Yeah, children that are, you know, some of them that are, that are shareholders and, that, and children now working. We need, we need um, shuttle drivers. We need cleaners for the chalets. We need, you know, we need people to booking go. I mean, it's, it's been, it's, it's small, but, yep. but it's, it's going to grow. It's a small business that we're providing employment for some local people. And that's done pretty good. So we're pretty happy with the stage of development at the moment. We've got our own little pass site too, just yes. for schools love it. Yeah. So it is even still quite humble now, but but it's um, it's a little um, bit of paradise, I guess, for those people that want to get away and quiet. It is very quiet up there at nights, and we're, and and what makes it even more special for us is the seventy eight thousand hectare Puriora Forest Park is all around us, uh-huh. and Marairo Sea is pretty much in the middle of it all, and this big, huge native forest goes all around us. This area here we um, developed, well each each stage of this project we've sort of done along the way as demand has increased so we built this um, little fenced off area as a park over place for, um, for camper vans. You know Freedom Campers coming through um, obviously for the timber trail but for other experiences out here as well and it just gives them a nice place to park off, off the road as our needs increase. We might put another building on this site, but for now it's a um, yeah a good place for for park over. Very, and very in the handy. back here, where we're going to head and have a look, is our our chalets. Gee, from here, I'm, kind of looks like a farinui. Yeah, most people um, yeah assume it's a, a farinui, but um, but yeah, they're quite modern, fully furnished chalets. The plan for this area here, eventually, is to have more accommodation units as um, as things develop more. So we'll be looking potentially in the future of having more either similar chalets or um, or larger units so that we can sleep more people here just as the demand grows. I mean, how was your season last year? Well, when is peak season for Kaharakiki? Um, for for the, the bike trail, it's, it's sort of during the summer months, so we'll probably stay busy until um, at least until Easter. Yep. Yeah, that does tail off through the winter. It gets pretty cold here. Um, but yeah, it picks right back up again, sort of October. Yeah, September, October things kick off. So here we are at the, the chalet now. So yeah, as you can see, that's um, yeah, fully furnished chalet, like a motel-style accommodation. So these are capable of sleeping six people. So we've got a double bed, um, bedroom, and then two single bedroom. And then uh, a fold-out settee in the, the lounge here. So, yeah, all your cooking equipment, table, chairs, toilets, everything. So um, we have quite a, a number of school groups, local schools um, come through sort of once a year where we can take them through, obviously, the plantation. We talk about um, our native plants and their traditional uses. Um, the carvings along this walkway here each represent a Aririahu ancestor. So obviously they have a big story to tell as well, and and then the kids get to experience what a, a um, pre eighteen hundred style village used to to look like. It's a small small replica, yeah. But yeah, it does give the um, the kids a real good idea of of um, how life was. Any idea who built who constructed that? Yeah, it was it was us, like um, the staff here at the time. So the board decided that um, 
that they'd like to have that as an attraction. Um, and so there's a, obviously a tower up there, a uh, number of small whare, pātaka, um, and near yeah, the palisading around the side. So, yeah. Wow. Do you get any weavers that come and harvest some of the harakeke, Daniel? Like um, any local? I'm not sure. I think from time to time, perhaps. But um, but obviously, yeah, it's pretty abundant around probably a bit far to come for for some <laughs> yeah. um, but we hope to or we try to encourage people to come and and do their mahi here so um so yeah if there's anyone out there listening and they want to, to come and, and do some work here yeah we're welcome to and this area pretty order weather wise is it a good place to to grow harakiki um i wouldn't say it's ideal um it does prefer to have um probably the, the more bit more moisture and a bit more um bit more warmth Especially through the winter, as I mentioned, it gets pretty cold here. But um, but it's a quite a hardy plant, and we grow all sorts of different varieties of it. So some thrive better than others. Yeah. Um, but they're certainly doing well. This year has been a real big year for flowering. So um, yeah, we actually had a a good crop of um, harakeke honey, I think, this year. So we've got a couple of beehives down the back, which um, produced a a real nice honey this year, which we think mostly due to the harakeke here. Over the last um, 6 to 12 months, we've developed a product range that we're extremely proud of. So early on, we were restricted to gift boxes. So in Asian culture, and Chinese in particular, they are a gift-giving culture. And one of the status gifts to give in the last couple of hundred years in their culture is to give a ginseng root in the form of a person or a shape of a person. Mm. Or a dragon or a lion, if you can tease out from the actual rootlet. When they're dried and you can tease out um, a, a sort of a, a pattern or a painting mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or a profile that looks quite stunning, then they can be quite, quite um, expensive gifts to purchase. So we have the top, the top of the range. At their office premises in Tekawiti, red boxes adorn the front lobby. They kind of remind me of beautifully packaged boxes that house expensive perfumes, seen in department stores or pharmacies. Glenn tells me it's an Asian tradition to present ginseng in a box. There also stands a kaitiaki, a guardian carved statue, that Glenn tells me represents the Ngāti Reriahu Tipuna Tāwhana. Glenn takes ginseng every day, the health benefits of which includes boosting energy levels, lowering blood sugar and cholesterol. It reduces stress and is good to take for relaxation. So the, the easy way to consume them is to just to chop them into little pieces, put them into hot water, let them steep in hot water for 10 minutes. All the goodness, all the ginseng inside, the medicine comes out and you just drink it just like that. So it's got a nutty, woody sort of flavour. Uh, to it, and if you're not really uh, used to drinking ginseng, you could even put a little dollop of honey. So where did this new venture begin? Well, we head back a decade. Daniel Bennifield explains. Uh, in 2006, uh, Plant and Food New Zealand were looking for a different um, Māori trust within the CNI, within the Central North Island here, that had, um, had the right uh, age class of trees, the right um, weather conditions, and um, and we fit those criteria. So when they approached us to to see if we'd like to trial growing ginseng, um, yeah, we obviously um, obviously went for it. And so the the potential is that it can be grown under the the, fi- the pine forest, 
Um, So it needs a shaded environment to grow, like its natural habitat. And so that worked um, worked in well uh, for us as a potential for being a, a secondary crop. We're still in the, I guess, the big, the early stages of harvesting our first commercial quantity. So we're, um, it's it's been sort of seven years since. Well, it's been a bit longer, but we've now got a crop that's seven years old, which we're harvesting now, and then. Um, processing and packaging it um, ready for sale. Were you going to hopefully take me now? Were you going yeah, to do the so processing? We'll the come back cool. It's quite a, a small space at this stage, um, but it suits our needs. Um, so this, this part of the building we added on um, as we knew we would require a, um, a place to, to dry and process the, the ginseng. So when it's harvested, it's harvested by hand um, out in the field. So after seven years old, when the plants are mature, um, in that year we take the take the leaf off. The leaf is then sorted, cleaned and dried. Um, so that's one, one product, but the real high value part is the root, the root mm. itself. So that's dug out of the ground by hand. Uh, we wash it here very carefully, I might add, so mm. um, none of the, the rootlets on the the main taproot are, are broken. Um, it's all cleaned, and then um, and then put in the dryer here. So we've got a, a dryer. So this area here, which is nice and warm, um, and they're left left to naturally dry for a period of about uh, a week or two um, until moisture levels are right down enough. And then from there, it's it's sorted into grades. So ginseng has has got many many grades, um, but we've sort of narrowed ours down to our top grade, our medium grade, and then our low grades. Wow. So the final product, um, well, sorry, not the final product, but the, um, the end result of the drying is these rootlets here, or these, these, um, these roots, which will be either packaged into single gift boxes if they meet the, the top grade, the right size, the right shape and form and, and everything, or they will be um, packaged into to boxes, into packs, or processed into other items such as um, our ginseng honey, or our capsules, or yeah, the other products that we're looking to make. This is basically all the processing that we do on site here. So it's dried, um, and then it's sorted into the grades, and from here we send it off to, um, we have a, a, a place in Tikuiti that um, packages and processes uh, these into the other products, so that's done in a commercial kitchen in Tikuiti. We normally harvest in autumn when the ginseng are at their best, like most fruit. Their plumpest and ripest is when you pick them. So ginseng just has the most uh, medicinal value around this time, so it's a good time to to harvest them. So we'll harvest the roots, and that means you that once you harvest the root, you have to replant to replace them. In your role as CEO, you're always accountable to the yeah. shareholders. Um, is there any of that pressure that you have to deal with? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, nine years, um, 2009 when we started, you know, it's, it's been a long time that we've had to operate. Shareholders have had to um, accept their dividends, um, haven't been paid. And of course, I mean, if we don't um, perform like we say we are, this is this is the the year that we'll have to uh, put our best foot forward. Because if we can prove that this business and and our and our tourism business are, are both have got are going to be viable, profitable business, providing 
returns for shareholders so that we can you know, begin paying dividends again. We've put a lot of investment into, into the two businesses. We have 16 hectares of ginseng in, in the um, in plantation now, and we're planting another five hectares this year. Um, this give you an idea, five hectares will enable us to have one tonne of ginseng, dried ginseng would be about one tonne from five hectares. Currently, so that's a thousand kilos. When we get to harvest that amount, if we use just a baseline price of $2,000 a kilo, and we were having a thousand kilos. Kilos. How much turn? How much profit would turnover? That's just turnover. Would be a couple of mil turnover. There's a sense of optimism and forward thinking at Marairoa Sea, but there's also a lot of patience. Remember, this year is their first commercial ginseng harvest. The trust had its first appearance at the New Zealand Gift Fair, held in March this year in Auckland. It was all part and parcel of marketing mentorship the Trust received from development and innovation funds that included Te Puni Kōkiri and the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment. And already the Trust are developing new products. So we have our own little, a little factory that we um, lease off one of the farmers. It's a, it's a commercial licensed food factory that we have now developing other products. And so manuk and ginseng honey, um, we take... Uh, raw honey, or we can we can either um, cream it or pasteurise it, and add ginseng powder. Now the ginseng powder has got a really um, strong um, flavour to it. Mm-hmm. So when you open the bottle, the ginseng flavour and the honey together, it's quite a nice, nice, nice smell. But with honey, generally it's very sweet. Yeah. With ginseng, it's got a bitter taste, so it cuts into that taste in your mouth of the honey, not too sweet, mm-hmm. and it's really quite a nice flavour. For, for ginseng, um, it's, it's this 5,000-year-old herbal root used in, used in China and Korea. So the general use for um, ginseng in any of its forms is uh, an immune booster, mm-hmm. so it stops you from getting sick. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got to say, I've been taking it for a year and I haven't been sick all year. What we've found in, in particular this area of Rediahu, a lot of the um, names refer to ancient rituals like Waimiha Okahu was the name of the spring. I did pass Waimiha, you know when you pass Waimiha, when you drive here? The full name is Waimiha Okahu, so the waters, the incantation or the blessing waters, Kahu's blessing from, from the mountain because it flows from the mountain. And there are a number of um, other um, uh, names that we can take from the region. Even Marairoa. You know, oh, when I asked for Marairoa, my, my co-marker when I first arrived, what does Marairoa mean? That's long, a long marae? He said, what does that mean? <laughs> he says, well, marae is hospitality or hospitable. So it's lots of hospitality. So how did he get its name? And he said, well, in the old days, Marairoa was a huge food basket. Your kapatakai, you call it. So tūwharetoa, te arawa, aniapatoa. Uh, Raukawa all came and hunted and gathered food in this big forest. They call it Marairo Hekapatakai. And so all of those names permeate right through the region. So Redeo, you know, did, was a provider of many things for the people, spiritual sustenance, kai, you know. So, yeah, yeah, it's a special place. Special, special place, special place. Yeah. Like all of our places yes. are special, but that's what makes our place special, I guess. Thank you.